The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to DraftKings Network. I think there would be, in my mind, some legitimate questions about his ability to to beat quality O tackles in the NFL one-on-one on a consistent basis. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Oh, yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker football podcast. It is a teaching tutorial Thursday, which means Professor Greg Cosell from NFL Films University is in the house. We are talking defensive line. I also have to ask Greg about Odell Beckham Jr. with the Ravens, as well as Jeffrey Okuda getting traded from the Detroit Lions, the Atlanta Falcons. Curious about both those moves and those players from Greg's perspective. We'll get to Greg momentarily. It is the last show of the week, so friendly reminder to check out Even Money Podcast. We talked about the draft and betting draft prop bets with Anthony Amico. He was fantastic. You can also listen to Fantasy Feast, where we dove in to the wide receiver class which is really cool. I, I was interested to hear that Brett Whitefield had one guy well above the other receivers, which is always interesting. And of course, the college draft with Emory, we talked O lineman. Emory and I will get into the D lineman and the linebackers on Monday. Greg and I are talking about the D line today. Yes, there are winners. Our second episode this week, where I'm giving out three winners, we'll do those a little bit later on in the show. Instead, it's big show time. You know him, you love him, you follow him on social media at Greg Cosell. He has broken down so many prospects, so many players. We're going to do D-line today. We'll do linebackers next Wednesday. And then defensive backs Monday of draft week so that you guys know exactly what Greg thinks of the top prospects at each position well in advance of the draft, which is two weeks from today. Greg, let's start with the big news out of Baltimore with them signing Odell Beckham Jr. Now, we know he didn't play last year, and I'm going to assume that he's not the player he was for the Giants five or six years ago. I guess my question is, when he last played in 21, played for Cleveland, 
Then he played for the Rams. What is he? What can he still be? What did you see that year from Beckham Jr.? Because obviously, I mean, he helped the, the Rams win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and that's all we have, Ross. I mean, we really don't know what he is now. I think he's 31 years old, has not played in a year, coming off a significant injury. Um, thought he looked good with the Rams. Um, you know, he was on a team where he was not the primary receiver. He was not the number one. Uh, so he was, in a sense, a complimentary receiver. Uh, and he filled that role extremely well. We know Sean McVay's offense is a really strong passing game with a lot of multiplicity to it. So he he fit a role on that team and obviously uh, helped them win a Super Bowl. At this point in time, just being honest, I don't think we know what he is. Uh, we also don't know potentially what this Ravens offense will look like. Not only do we not know about the quarterback situation, but it's a brand new offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, they brought in Nelson Aguilar. Uh, we don't know about Bateman at this point in his career. He's been injured a lot. So we have no idea what, number one, what Beckham is, and number two, how he fits in with the other receivers, and number three, what the passing game's even going to look like. So there's a lot more questions than answers right now. And I think anybody who says that, oh, well, we know exactly what Odell Beckham is, they you can't possibly know that. Totally agree. I will say, Greg, I kind of like their uh, their mix and match right now. Now, look, the, we always talk about the money is the money. I mean, I talked about it earlier in the week. I, I can't believe they gave him $15 million fully guaranteed. It certainly feels like that has something to do with Lamar Jackson and getting him signed and appeasing him. But, you know, I guess there's some ifs with if, if Bateman's healthy, but Bateman, Aguilar is a professional receiver. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. at a minimum, Greg, I think, is a professional receiver. No question. You've you've got Andrews. So you've got some legit guys. I mean, I think off the top of my head, it feels like it's better than what they've had in the receiving core the last few years. No, I would agree. And you also will have a, I would assume, a brand new offense that's not built on what they've done in the past. Um, so Again, as of now, it's Lamar Jackson because he's not been traded. So they're starting from scratch, really, I would assume. Um, now, I would assume they'll keep in elements that uh, makes Lamar Lamar if he's the quarterback. But I would also think that with Todd Monk in there, that the pass game would become different. Uh, and, you know, there's always a learning curve when that occurs. Yeah, that's a good point, Greg. Really, I hadn't thought about that. That's a good point. I also would say... You know, if they think Odell Beckham Jr. is a high-end one, that that would surprise me. Um, but we shall see. I'm also a little surprised. You know, Jeffrey Okuda got traded yep. from the Lions to the Falcons for a fifth-round pick. Greg, he was a third overall pick. I mean, he was looked at as obviously one of the best players in the draft, one of the best corners to come out in years. What have you seen – from Okuda on tape his first few years in the NFL? I think the reason he was traded and the concern was that he did not play man coverage as well as was hoped and expected when he was drafted. Because keep in mind, this is a team under Aaron Glenn that plays a lot of man coverage. Um, and Okuda was brought in to be a press man corner. That's what his tape indicated in college, and that's what the thought was when they drafted him at number three. And he just didn't play it, Ross, as well as they hoped. It's as simple as that. And 
the fact that they went out and signed Emmanuel Mosley and Cameron Sutton kind of told you that something was up. And quite honestly, I thought Jerry Jacobs, number 39, a year ago, played pretty well on the outside for them. You could even argue he played more consistently than Okuda when Okuda was in the lineup. So in their mind, Okuda was an expendable player, and obviously they did not get very much for him. So the league is not seeing him as, hey, we need Okuda because he's going to line up and play press man. And in this league, your corners need to be able to play press man at some point. Okay. He's long, he's fast, and they played press man a lot at Ohio State. How does this happen, Greg? Like, how, how does it happen? I, this, it's not I like he was in some cover that, two scheme at Ohio State. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we watched him. I mean, that's what they do at Ohio State. I know. I, I, you know, look, you and I both know that that happens quite a bit with all positions in the from college to the NFL making the transition. Guys who do really well in college, come, and, and you assume particularly blue blood programs like Ohio State, you just assume they're going to come in and they're going to continue to do that. Some guys do it. Some guys don't. That's why not all 32 first-round picks become really good players. Um, I don't have an answer for why it didn't happen. Um, I will say that watching Akuda on tape with the Lions, I thought he looked a little stiff, which maybe I missed it. Maybe some... Scouts would say, hey, he was stiff at Ohio State, too. I didn't quite see that watching him at Ohio State, but he looked a little stiff to me uh, watching his Lions tape, and it just never worked out with the the man-to-man coverage ability that they anticipated when they drafted him. All right, let's let's stick with the draft, and let's move to the D-line because that's our next position group in our series. You know, Greg, last week we did offensive line and got a lot of attention. When you talked about Darnell Wright, the right tackle from Tennessee, stoning Will Anderson that entire game, there was a belief that Will Anderson would have been the number one pick last year, that he was the best player in the draft last year. What do you see from Anderson? Um, Did that Tennessee game change how you feel about him at all? Um. Well, it's not a matter of changing how I feel because how I feel is purely based on what I see on tape. So it's not, you know, it's not that I go in with the attitude of, oh, he's the best player. Let me see. You know, I think Anderson is clearly a higher level prospect. There's no question about that. He's got really good length. Um, he's he's a physical power player more than an athletic player. Uh, And I think that's what the tape tells you. And I think that's important for people to understand. It doesn't mean he's a bad athlete, Ross. I don't want people to come away thinking that I believe he's a bad athlete. It's not as if he's a poor athlete. But when you watch the tape, and I watched him last summer when he had the unbelievable year in 2021. And then, of course, I watched him this year. So I've seen a lot of Will Anderson. Uh, And as I said, he is a physical, explosive power player. I think he's a little tight-hipped. I think he's a little straight line linear in his overall movement. Um, And again, you can be really, really good in the NFL playing that way, but I think you have to understand that. And it's funny because at the combine, and again, the combine is not football, but, you know, teams look at that, as you well know, you could watch Will Anderson run through the drills that required kind of loose hips uh, and see that compared to, let's say, 
the Nolan Smiths, the Will McDonald's of the world, um, even the Byron Youngs from Tennessee, that he just looked a little stiffer. That's who he is. Um, but he's still a good prospect. Uh, I think there would be, in my mind, some legitimate questions about his ability to, to beat quality O tackles in the NFL one-on-one on a consistent basis. You know, I think because he is a little stiff, we'll see. Um the character is what separates him. I've talked to people. They say that this kid is just absolutely special and he will do everything to be a great player. Um, what I'm hearing, Greg, and by the way, there's a lot of guys that make a lot of money being pass rushers based on explosion no question. and power. However... Feels to me, Greg, like the best guys right now are either um, really good benders and and unique movers, or tremendously gifted with their hands, like a Nick Bosa, a Joey Bosa. Like, do really like really right. know how to use their hands. I, I don't know. Do you feel like Anderson fits either one of those categories? He's closer to the second than the first. Um, like I wouldn't – again, you can find examples with really good prospects of everything, you know. It, but just because you – you know, and again, some people believe if you see it once, that means it's in the guy's body and, he, and you can build upon it. That's fair. Um, there's a lot of coaches who believe that. So I'm not – and that's – like I said, that's very fair. But I think his game is much more built on power. I think there are really good examples of him using his hands efficiently and effectively. Um, I don't think he's one of those guys that has that motorcycle lean. I don't think that he's truly a guy that when he clears the top of the pass rush arc, that he can flatten his rush path without extra steps and then close with burst to the quarterback. I don't think that's his game. And you're 100% right. You can be a really good player and be an explosive physical power player as a pass rusher. Um, so that, that to me is what he is. Let's talk Tyree Wilson. I got to be honest with you, Greg, until this year, I didn't really know that much about him. And now every mock draft you look at, the edge rusher from Texas Tech is ranked in the top 10. What do you see from him? Yeah. And he just looks the part, Ross. I mean, he's six five and a half. He's two seventy one. His arm length and his wingspan is ridiculous. His arm length is thirty five and five eighths. His wingspan is like Giannis in the NBA. So I mean, this guy really looks the part. So he has imposing size. He has imposing length. He's athletic. Um, I think that while his game right now is probably built a little more on strength and power and relentlessness. There are more than enough flashes of bend and flexibility to lead you to believe that he can become a more complete edge player. Um, You know, so many of these guys in college, particularly with teams playing a lot of three-man fronts in college football, end up playing inside offensive tackles. That's not going to happen with these guys in the NFL. These guys are going to be edge players. Um, So we're talking about a guy... As I said, when you talk about the measurables, you know, he has similar measurables to Trayvon Walker, similar measurables to, let's say, a Jason Pierre-Paul, a Carlos Dunlap, who's been in the league for a long time. He looks like those guys. You know, those are pretty impressive physical specimens. Um, So he's a high-level traits prospect. Um, 
I think one thing that is a concern, and I don't know how this is seen by coaches, he was late off the ball a lot. And I think that, you know, in the NFL, you know, you played offensive line. If guys are a little late off the ball, boy, does that give you an advantage, does it not? They have no shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the D lineman, if you're late off the ball, how many times you see a guy get a sack or a pressure that's late off the ball? I mean, yeah, and, almost and never. Again, like I said, I'm not a coach, so I don't want to sit here and say, oh, they'll fix that with no problem. But my my guess is it is fixable, but it's going to have to be fixed. Wanted to ask you uh, about Lucas Van Ness from Iowa. Yeah. Such an interesting player. You know, some people have him going in the top 10, didn't start for Iowa, uh, has impressive measurables. What did you see from Van Ness? Yeah, he was a hockey player in high school. I mean, he, you know, he grew up playing hockey, did not really start playing football until eighth or ninth grade. Um, Van Ness is a true, true power player. This guy is incredibly strong. That his, that's his game. He's a straight line, linear athlete, um, much more than a loose, flexible athlete. Um, and it showed up when he was on the edge. Now, here's a guy that lined up all over. He played on the edge. He played three technique. He played one technique. This is what he did in college. And as you said, he didn't start. So he didn't play a ton of snaps every single game. Um, but, you know, you watch him, for instance, against Paris Johnson, the left tackle from Ohio State, who many think will be a top 10 pick in the draft. And he just drove Johnson right back into the pocket. I mean, this guy is powerful. He physically dominated as a pass rusher at times just on sheer, you know, speed to power, one arm stab strength. Um, and that's what he is. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that my, my guess is he'll get better because he's, you know, he's young playing football. He's another guy that's six, five, two seventy two. The question is, 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 is that what you want him at? Do you think he can, you know, get up to two eighty five, two ninety, and end up being, and I hate to say this because people will think I'm making an apples to apples comparison and I'm not, but do you want him to try to get up to 285 to 290 if his body can handle it and be more of a JJ Watt type player stylistically? Or do you see him at maybe dropping to 265 and being a pure edge player? I think that would be team specific how they see him. Very interesting. Um, I want to get your thoughts on Nolan Smith from Georgia. Huh. As well, obviously, tore up the combine. He's another guy. It feels like a lot of these guys, man, depending on who you talk to, Greg, they either have them really high or a lot lower. It's going to be an interesting draft. What do you see from Nolan Smith? Well, that's because there's there's always there's certain question marks. I mean, Nolan Smith is 238 pounds. Um, now, he blew up the combine, and you knew he would just watching his tape. This is where the tape and the athletic measurables match. This guy is a freakish athlete. Uh, you know, we talked about Anderson and that he couldn't flatten his rush path and 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 close to the quarterback. Um, Nolan Smith can absolutely do that. Nolan Smith is a phenomenal athlete. Um, you know, think of all these teams playing five-man fronts now, Ross. And on one side, that linebacker is kind of the Sam backer, but he also rushes the quarterback. Think of Hassan Reddick with the Eagles and what he did. I think he had 16 sacks. But when you watch the Eagles tape and you're close with the Eagles, you know that he also dropped into coverage quite a bit because he's essentially the Sam linebacker in that five-man front. I see Nolan Smith very, very much like that. 
And I think that for teams that played that kind of front, he would fit exceedingly well. I think this guy's just scratching the surface. He, you know, obviously he got hurt this year. He played, I think, six games. Um, uh, but he's he's a really freakish, explosive athlete. We saw that at the combine, and from everything I understand, he's an unbelievable kid. Well, speaking of freakish athletes, Greg, let, let's go inside and talk about his teammate, Jalen Carter uh, from Georgia. I know we don't get into the off-the-field stuff with you. I want to get on the on-the-field stuff. He's another guy that some people thought might have been the number one pick last year if he had been allowed to come out. Yeah, Everybody talks about how much he stood out on the Georgia defense that had the number one pick in Trayvon Walker. Strictly as a player, Greg, just how good is Jalen Carter? What makes him so good? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I remember watching Georgia last year and I watched them over and over and over again because they had so many players. And number 88 was the one who stood out the most. You know, it's funny. I watched them this year and then there's another guy who stands out all the time and he's a true freshman. So, you know, that's the way Georgia is because they get all these five-star players. But Carter has everything you would want. There's no question. I mean, this guy is athletic. He's quick. He's explosive. He plays with strength. He plays with power. He's got strong, heavy hands. I mean, this guy tosses 300-pound offensive lineman out of the way. I mean, he's got light feet. He's got easy movement. Um, you know, with Georgia, often players don't play a ton of snaps. Um, he Over the last two years, he played 392 snaps in 2022 and 396 snaps in 2021. So he doesn't play a lot of snaps, but that's true with a lot of Georgia's defensive linemen because they have so many of them. Um, and again, we don't know the reason. Obviously, teams would, would talk to Kirby Smart and people in Georgia and find out why. But there's no question that this guy is a big-time prospect whose traits and his tape clearly show a high first-round type player. So, uh, you know, there's not a lot of negativity in his tape. What about Cansey, Kalijah Cansey from Pitt? Yeah, he's he is a really fascinating player. Um, you know, again... As you know, there are a lot of teams that have what are called critical factors, um, and they work off that. And there might be some teams that he's not even on their draft board because he's 6'1", 281 pounds, okay? And, you know, there's as a 281-pound defensive lineman, predominantly a defensive tackle, teams might say, hey, we don't do that. This guy is – he looks different on tape, Ross. I mean, this guy is – there's no mystery to the way this guy plays. He's, he's quick. He's sudden. He's explosive. His first step acceleration and explosion and his contact balance. You watch him and he almost looks like a running back playing defensive tackle. And his reactive athleticism, the way he can react and move is, is and change direction is really high level. And the thing that really stood out to me is he took on double teams in the run game and, and not only stalemated them, but there were times where he beat the double team and made the tackle. So this guy, because he has such a low center of gravity, is is kind of able to hold the point more than I think people would assume based on the fact that he's 281 pounds. We know he ran a 4.6740. I mean, that's ridiculous. You know, he's 281 pounds. Um, so you're dealing with a guy that is a high-level disruptor, and he can rush the quarterback. And that's the critical piece here. This guy can truly rush the quarterback. Last guy I wanted to get your opinion on, Greg, is Brian Brissy from Clemson. I remember him coming out as the number one ranked high school player 
in the country. And as a true freshman, did a lot of good things. In the last couple of years, not as much. Yeah, no, I remember. He was clearly the number one player coming out. I think he might be from Maryland, if memory serves me. Yeah, Damascus, Maryland. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, obviously he does not have a ton of college playing experience due to injury. Um, you know, he does have pretty high-level traits. I mean, he's got size. He's, he's 6'5 and a half, 298. Um, he's got size. He's got length. He's got really good athleticism. He plays with some power. You know, it's a smaller sample size, but he showed the traits to win multiple ways, both as a one-gap and a two-gap player. So, you know, he's he's a fascinating guy because you have to think about the injury situation, and there's just – I mean – Think about it this way. He he only played 915 snaps in a three-year career. And that's that's even that's almost less than one full season. And that's three years. So you're dealing with a player that just does not have a lot of playing experience at the college level. But the traits do exist on tape. Check him out on social media at Greg Cosell. He's fantastic. Next Wednesday. We'll discuss linebackers, and then the following Monday, Monday of draft week, we'll get into the defensive backs. Thank you so much, Greg. Thanks, Ross. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, and I appreciate Labatt Blue, and that kind of rhymes, which I like. Listen, it's Thursday, which means it's almost the weekend. Do you have your Labatt Blue light? I do. Enjoy it this weekend with friends, family. Always enjoy responsibly beer. Labatt USA. Buffalo, New When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. York. Duck Stakes. All right, Ross, we'll start with Giants running back. Saquon Barkley will not sign his franchise tag before the offseason program. You know what's funny, Jack? There's certain times on the NFL calendar where there's like no news. And so all of these outlets want there to be news. So they come up with something like this. Only one of the franchise tag guys has signed, Tony Pollard. And that's because he saw the running back market and has signed his tender. He saw the running back market and he's coming off a major injury and thought, you know what? I better lock in my $10 million plus before it's too late since guys like Miles Sanders are getting $6 million. So, I don't know. I mean, this to me is not news. It would have been more noteworthy, more newsworthy to me if Saquon Barkley did sign the franchise tag to participate in the offseason program. Amazon chairman Jeff Bezos will reportedly not bid on the Washington Commanders. It's a little bit of a bummer. I wanted my fellow Princetonian to be an NFL team owner, but it's interesting. I saw where someone made the point, you know, if you're Bezos and you got billions and billions, are the commanders the team you want to buy? Is that is that like the asset you want to buy or do you want to wait for another team? Which I thought was 
Pretty interesting. Speaking of interesting, Jack, I love your email questions. Let's get to one. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. So the email address is ross at rosstucker.com. We don't get to nearly as many of these as I would like. It is my favorite part of the show, or at least one of my favorite parts of the show, because it's it's uh, interaction with you guys, the listeners, and typically your questions are really interesting and create good content. So take advantage of any of the sponsors, then email me, ross at rosstucker.com. What do you got? So this one's from Michael Yore, who says, I was wondering, when, if ever, is a player's character more important to a team than a skill set? Do teams ever select a player of good character over a player with slightly more skill? Are there teams in the NFL who are known to place a high value on character on and off the field? And if so, which ones? Finally, is character more important in some positions? For example, the quarterback is usually the face of the program. Is their behavior more important than, say, defensive back? Which position groups are the most difficult in regards to this issue? Such a good question, Michael. Such a good question. I mean, such a good, like, 10 questions, actually. I'm looking at There's a lot of question marks here, bro. Um, I would not say a player's character is more important to a team than their skill set. I think it still starts with their talent and football ability. But I think when they look at the entire package of a player – Character, and in particular, their football character, how they play, how about how they go about their business is a huge factor. It's part of their skill set. So do teams ever select a player with good character over a player with slightly more skill? Yes, they do. I mean, look, you're going to see that in the draft. Jalen Carter has more skill than guys are going to get drafted before him. Now, part of that's position and quarterback, but part of it is character. There's going to be other position players, I bet, that aren't as good as Jalen Carter, but they're going to get drafted higher than him because they believe that those guys have better character. Uh, There are teams that place a high value on football character on and off the field. There are teams like the Bengals that, that has not been as high of a priority. And I do think some positions are more important than others. Absolutely, quarterback is a huge one. I think offensive line, very important. You know, you got to really love it and really have a certain type of football intelligence and toughness to make it as an offensive lineman in the NFL. So um, I think that's more important maybe than DB um, as an example that, that you used. Good questions, Michael. I appreciate them. Hopefully we'll get to more next week. Look, it's only Thursday morning, 7.45 a.m. We're finished recording this. Plenty of time for you guys to do two things. You can check out the other shows, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, College Draft, if you haven't yet this week. You can check them out at youtube.com slash NFL, Or you can right now rate and review the shows. Right when you end this one, just give us a five-star rating. Type something in the review. Email it to me, ross at rosstucker.com. So you can be a winner next week like the winners I'm about to announce right now, Jack. I want winners. I want people that want to win. Shane Brown gave us a Facebook review. Thank you, Shane. Let me know what you would like. Ross Tucker Pod is where you can give the Facebook reviews. Carl Lawback rated and reviewed the show. I think it was on Spotify. 
Thank you very much, Carl. You're a winner as well. I got some awesome press passes. Or if you prefer a signed card or picture, that's fine as well. And then the YouTube shout-out, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, Joshua Bittekoffer. Shout-outs are in order. Pizza Boy Brewing, Sportaculture, HumanHeadNYC.com, SteakhouseSports.com, Go-Bangles.com, Evergreen Economics, BackOfficeSchedule.com, and most importantly, perhaps, MyFrontPageStory.com. We are a month away, one month away from Mother's Day. Do yourself a favor and get mom or your wife, maybe your grandma, the best Mother's Day gift they've ever gotten. A custom-made story all about them and what makes them so special. She will cry. You will win. MyFrontPageStory.com. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.